Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And this is Scott Galloway. Kara, how are you doing? Oh, I had some dental surgery this morning, but otherwise I am fine. I'm a lot better than the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just should get into this because yep. uh, rather than chitty chat, because this is really, this is the only story. If we talk about big stories, it's the only story, which is civil unrest hits the United States of America in a massive dose. We watched it unfold on social media, on cable, everywhere. The killing of George Floyd uh, on top of uh, years of social media videos that show black people dying at the hands of police led to national protests in Minneapolis, Atlanta, New York, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, and the list goes on. Social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter, are central to our understanding of how this is unfolding and a place for a lot of misinformation. By the way, dozens of Facebook employees did a virtual walkout today, Monday, after the company refused to take down Trump's inflammatory posts about protesters over the weekend. Meanwhile, the president moved to an underground bunker, which apparently still has Twitter access because he tweeted that he will be adding Antifa to the United States terrorist list. He also tweeted fake news, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, there are also concerns uh, that pictures of protesters on platforms could be used by police using facial recognition technology. Scott, I, I don't know where to start. This has been something we actually talked about on a show last week about about uh, some predictions you were you had heard about from uh, I think it was a bank or or another um, mm-hmm. another big business. So let's talk a little bit about it. What's your reaction? Well, I, so the social unrest isn't surprising. I, I think it's surprising it's taken this long, and that is. If you look at the percentage of retail that's done via e-commerce, it's loosely speaking, and Derek Thompson pointed the stat out to me, which I think is uh, really interesting from the Atlantic. Essentially, e-commerce has been 1% growing by 1% of retail when it started, and it's grown 1% a year, and it's 18 years after a kind of e-commerce got traction. It's now 18% of retail, but in the last eight weeks, it's gone to 28%. Mm-hmm. And ever since kind of the 70s and 80s and Reagan, we've decided that the new nobility are rich people. And we've sort of embraced this notion, this ugly notion of a meritocracy where billionaires deserve what they get and poor people deserve what they get. So let's reward the billionaires. And now we have yeah. taxes on the top 0.1% lower than everyone else. So we've sort of embraced what I would call this massive uh, move towards income inequality. And then in the last eight weeks, it jumped from 18 to 28%, if you will. And that is inequality has been so dramatically escalated over the last yeah. uh, 60 days. And it, throughout history, it's just pretty straightforward. When you have, when you reach a certain level of income inequality, it 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 self-corrects with war, famine, or revolution. And right now we have two. We have famine and we have revolution. And the mm-hmm. scary part is usually when you have two of the three, it leads to the other third. So yeah. I don't I don't think this is... 
I don't think it's surprising, Kara. Because there have been shocking videos over and over, yeah. over and over again. And this this one was particularly, the New York Times has an amazing breakdown of it from minute to minute, the whole arrest. And it is... It's horrific. Even to watch it slow or just yeah, watch the horrific. thing by itself, it was horrific. It was, and, yeah. and especially the people on the street saying, you're killing him, stop. Like, there's several people that are try- attempting to stop the police who are being obstructive. Uh, I think the whole thing is is astonishing. It's an astonishing um, situation when you look at that video. And I think they're all awful. By the way, every single one of them is awful. I would argue that as it relates to, or I think as it relates to systemic racism, that the the arc has been curved, but it bends towards justice until Trump. And that is, no. I don't want to say presidents have been good, but I think over time they become less bad. No, you I think don't think so. You think it's always been I bad. think it's deep and it's we pretend it doesn't exist and everyone's surprised by these white supremacists. I'm not surprised by them. And by the way, this is, this is us two white people talking about this. Right. I think the experience of... Uh, I have a friend who, uh, who who is so scared for her sons, you mm-hmm. know, and we had a long talk about that, is scared world. for different her sons. America. Different America. And this yeah. is someone who is money and means and everything yeah. else, still scared for her sons. Yeah. And so they have plenty of money. They've got plenty of ability to, to, to put the kid in a nice school and this and that. And it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. And so I just don't, I think we, again, we're two white people talking about this, so yeah. we're never going to get it right, but we certainly have to start to talk about our culpability and it either by ignoring it or allowing our elected officials to continue, um, you know, just the, just the idea of these police forces with these military-grade weaponry. It's like crazy. That would be seeing. a start to demilitarize oh, the police. Oh, whoa. Like, yeah. who did that? It wasn't Trump. I mean, I, listen, Trump yeah. is absolute worst. I'm not saying that. But it's like we have, to, we have to have a larger discussion with all of us. And I don't want to, you know, you don't want to say truth and reconciliation because I, I don't think they're ready to reconcile yet and shouldn't mm-hmm. be, shouldn't be ready to reconcile yet. I so think someone, if someone part, from the Trump administration was here, they would say, well, Kara, what about criminal justice reform? You don't think that's a step in the right direction? I yes, yes it is. But it's still it doesn't. It's sort of like putting a bandaid on what mm-hmm. is really at the heart, the dark heart of America, which is racism. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I just think it's. Um, uh, it, it, I think there's dark heart reasons that we do not experience. And I, again, I've had mm-hmm. some great discussions with my sons. I'm like, he does not. My sons do not experience it. They've only had either no interactions with the police or nothing problematic, yeah. like nothing. And in fact, we had an interaction with the police. Uh, where my son broke off a leaf of a tree, and the other day, and your son we broke to be, off a leaf. Well, he of was a grabbing tree. a leaf. He was grabbing a leaf, and he pulled off the whole branch. And we happened to be passing a cop car, and the cop goes, uh, "Put that back where you found it," and like scared the shit out of my son. And, and he was kidding, and he goes, oh, "I'm just kidding." And it was a nice interaction. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and and my son was like, I wonder what that would have been like if I was African-American. And I said, I don't know. And then I he all went know. and had lattes and a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> no, he did not have <laughs> lattes. And food. In any case, it's a time that we've got to really face the ugly face. And it, Trump is our ugliest face, but we're mm-hmm. not, none of us are so pretty. That's my feeling. Scott, again, our discussions, of course, are not talking about business, but let's talk a little bit about business. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as civil unrest continues, uh, Facebook is having some of its employees who are never really, who never really complain at Facebook. They've been the least, they're sort of the most culty. Um, Mark Zuckerberg has, you know, sort of tried to put himself into the Trump camp by appearing on Fox News and saying he doesn't want to be arbitrary truth and, a, truth and attacking Jack Dorsey from labeling some of Trump's tweets. Um, so uh, what do you think uh, its responsibility for its users, their employees, and specifically their black employees? And also, 
uh, sort of what should be the response uh, from companies. There's been relative silence from tech. Nike and Adidas, longtime rivals, released powerful ad campaigns in support of the protests. Nike produced an ad that flipped their Just Do It tagline to Just Don't Do It, um, as in Don't Ignore Systemic Racism. Then Adidas released an ad that added Together is How We Move Forward. Record labels across the $10 billion music industry issued an agreement to give employees Tuesday off in protest. Warner Music Group, Sony, Universal Music, Motown, Capitol Records, and Columbia Records are some uh, major labels participating. Um, you know, over there's all kinds of things going on. Any comment about what how how companies should react to this? So and, and Facebook first. Facebook first. Well, I'm just kind of sick of hearing Facebook people going on background saying how disappointed and upset they are yeah. as they cast mm-hmm. their checks and go get go down to the cafeteria. I think, like, I, I just don't think it's getting around it. People need have a right to make a living. I think it's a great company on a lot of levels, but I think you're complicit if you work for Facebook and what is one of the most damaging and dangerous organizations in the world and your grandkids are going to be really embarrassed to say that you're that, that Nana worked at Facebook. I just don't think yeah. there's any getting around it. I think in, right. history is going to judge you and your coworkers uh, um, really harshly and going on background to the New York Times saying that you're distressed and upset about a Trump yeah, and Zuckerberg. Agreed. I don't think that does anyone any fucking good. So. Oddly enough, that's my columns. I, I called Mark Zuckerberg the Susan Collins of the internet. Uh, I'm distur- I'm di- concerned. I'm disturbed and concerned. And yeah. oh. this is not good. You know, this kind of bullshit response. I agree. I'm. I, w- how should companies respond? Like, well, now, they did these ads. Right. And of course, there are all those pandemic ads, right? right. So what, and those were all like, we're here so, to help. This is a very important yeah. thing to do and also a dicey thing. So I, uh, in the last, in the last, over the weekend, in the last 72 hours, I've talked to a major apparel and shoe manufacturer, a large CPG company, and then a big specialty retailer. And the the question was, you know, how do you think we respond to this? And they're all with their agencies saying, this is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And my attitude is, I didn't like the Nike yet. I love Nike, but Mm -hmm. I think, I thought Amazon actually had a stronger statement. They just said, we stand with these people. Mm -hmm. But I don't even think that's the right thing. I think unless you're going to come out with concrete action. Okay, so Nike, 8% of their... 8% 8% of their 350 VPs or whatever it is are African-American. Uh-huh. And you might argue, well, okay, if if 12% of America is African-American, but 80% of the athletes they support in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, it just, you, yeah. you subject yourself, I think unless you're going to come out with a specific goal or action I- item or specific commitment, I just think you keep it to yourself. What was that number you just said? I didn't know that about Nike. I, I'm sorry. I should know that. I don't well, Nike, Nike, to be fair, Nike mm-hmm. does have, I think, a real concerted effort to try in advance. They're very self-aware around the fact that they are largely, their brand is largely a function of the endorsements from people of color on, you know, athletes. And I think they've, they've made a concerted effort. But the reality is it's still, and I like that, it's really difficult. It sounds weird. It's not easy to find uh, uh, executives of color in Portland, Oregon. So, and that's not an excuse, but it's a complicated issue. And my my advice to anyone right now is, in this environment that is so serious, unless you're going to announce a specific action, we are going to ensure that by X date, our yeah. our executive ranks look like America. We are yeah. going to fund X initiative to ensure more. Young and young men and women of color have access to affordable, ed- whatever it might be, whatever. I thought what you just said is a fantastic thing, saying we're giving the, the record labels that we're giving people the day off to pr- protest right. if they choose yeah. to. 
Just like voting. That's the same thing. But these platitudes around. Yeah, I know. I have a coconut smile, although I did like that. And we're going to get through this and we stand with, you know, I just, I I might be cynical because I just see so much of it. uh, Yeah. But I I don't don't think think, you are. I think think we may have jumped the shark here. I I, think we all are susceptible to marking. I'm thinking of the, I'd like to teach the world to sing or have a coconut smile or any of those, any Kodak commercial can make me tear up in a second. But if you're watching them from a different perspective, you'd be like bullshit. Like bullshit with a coconut smile. That's not how it works. I'll, I'll grab a Coke and I'll get stopped for shoplifting. Like, even though I did nothing. I mean, I think that's the thing is this marketing does not, you know, the pandemic stuff is laughable for everybody Mm because everyone's experiencing it because it's like, stop, you're not with me. You know, you're not trying to help me. Just give me my stuff, you know, give me a job, give me the money, give me a way to not have my business closed. That's different. But I think that marketing right now, I think all companies should say, you're right, say something concrete, should say something for once, because, you know, a lot of these companies are saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then do something like Mark, take down Trump's terror, or cover them or whatever, label them. If you don't feel comfortable taking them down, label them um, as, as dangerous. Like the fact that they didn't take that one looting and shooting one, which is such a clear, crystal clear example of inciting violence and using a racist trope to do so. To me, I don't know what it, what would make him do it. I, you know what I mean? And then th- there was reporting from Axios, for example, that he had had a call and saying he was, um, he was concerned. You know, he was, he strongly disagreed with Mr. Trump and he was concerned. He gave him a call. Like he's, what is he, customer fucking service for President Trump? Hey, Dude, you might be being a little problematic for me, but it was all about Facebook and none of it about solving the problem. You're right. They need to, concrete things need to be done. Um, what would you do if you were any of these tech companies or any company? What would be a move? Disney, whatever, pick one. Well, first off, I, <clears throat> I'm not sure I agree with say something. I think that, so the NFL put out a statement, Roger Goodell. Yeah, oh, yeah, and yeah. I just read this thing. I'll just read the last paragraph. And yeah. I just pulled it up. As current events dramatically underscore, there remains much more to do as a country and as a league. These strategies inform the NFL's commitment and our ongoing efforts. There remains an urgent need for action. We recognize the power of our platform and communities, and it's part of a fabric of American society. We embrace that responsibility and committed to continuing the important work to address these systemic issues together with our players, clubs, and partners. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. And I, nothing, I find if you're going to – that's how to say nothing. And I yeah. find that that's worse than saying nothing. Pretending, wanting credit for actually saying something – and then clearly this was massaged, strangled yeah, by a series of $850 an hour PR and communications consultants that said, okay, we're going to water this down and we're going to bastardize oh, and gangbang this statement you know, until you can't recognize through, it. When they're through like making people lose their minds through not having adequate protection and stuff, you know, look, be nice to uh, Colin Kaepernick. You know, he couldn't play in the league because he peacefully protested police violence, yeah, ironically, agreed. by taking a knee, which is amazing. Yeah, I know. He that takes is, a knee is, and he loses his thick career. With irony, no doubt about you it. Know, uh, you know, it's just like astonishing that, 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 and them doing that was a controversy, including for President Trump. Like, like back Colin Kaepernick for doing what he's doing. It is literally, and they're worried about their TV rights. You know, I get it for, you know, a second to feel that way, but then putting this out, I'm sorry, anything that comes out of, the NFL is, given that 70% of the players are, are African-American men, it's just like, stop, please stop. So, so there is a gangster opportunity in so all do of this. Not, do something, so you say say nothing, not even make a statement? I think, nothing. let me put it this way, I, I think this is worse than nothing. 
Yeah, okay. Um, So if you can't get your act together and commit to something or say something that's heartfelt and real, Keep it to yourself. I, I don't. So have I don't you seen anything that's heartfelt real from anybody? I think well, giving I, the day off. I don't off love is Amazon, thing. but I think they right. came right out and said we stand right. with the, You know, uh, we stand with. What does it mean? Uh, I think it was. We, uh, I don't know. They, they basically made a statement, and it felt political, mm-hmm. and it felt dangerous, and mm-hmm. uh, and clearly alienate some people. But they, it was short, sweet, and it didn't have a specific action item. But I thought it was a declarative, definitive statement that took a stand. And I think all these other guys are like, well, we don't want to piss off our white owners. We don't want to piss off the people in Green Bay, but we don't want to piss off our fans in Detroit. I mean, they were just trying to have it. The NFL is just trying to have it all ways. And I realized- So you, you, like the record companies, giving people the day off, giving them an actionable item. I think that's outstanding. I think that's outstanding. That's what Hearst does, by the way. Hearst, for a long time, has given everyone uh, the day off on all election days. Which I think yeah. is a wonderful. Well, that should be a national holiday. Yeah, they make it a national holiday. National holiday. But look, you asked about social media. I think there's a moment here, uh, a real opportunity for Twitter, and as it relates to Trump, and that is everything has been politicized. From the environment used to be a bipartisan issue, then it became politicized. And not fast forward now, mass have become politicized, and now there's just no getting around it. Social media is about to become politicized, and I think Twitter yeah. has an opportunity to lean in and start enforcing their terms of service, kick off tens of thousands of accounts, including the person who violates every term of service, the president, and lean into and use this as cloud cover to go to, uh, slowly but surely, a subscription model where they charge people based on the number of followers they have. I think it would not only get rid of the fire or the kerosene underneath the rage machine that is tearing apart our society and, the, and the, the world society, but at 120th, the market cap of Facebook, they have the opportunity to take bolder, bigger risks. Interesting. And even if their revenue declined by 20, 30, 50%, their share price would likely go up because it would move to a recurring revenue business model. Well, that's an interesting So question. I, th- I think Twitter- It is interesting. Here, here's where it's interesting, is that I've talked to a lot of lawyers this week. All of them tell me their safest thing legally actually is to kick him off. Like, oh, they're in terms fine. Of and he's probably, good. for the first thing. time, I'm coming to your side of the boat. For the first time, I think he's actually not going to get reelected. So he wouldn't have time to really go after them. Yeah. You know, so, but there's an opportunity for Twitter here to do something not only meaningful and good for the world, but also good for shareholders. Because the bottom line is their ad model, which is the underlying rage machine, isn't working. Twitter's tools suck. There's, yeah. they, they have not innovated around nowhere near what Facebook has done. Anyway, let's get let's take a quick break. We'll be back to talk about corporate response to the protests and we'll be joined by a friend of Pivot, Baratundi Thurston. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. 
It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian Intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is perfect. We can talk about it with our friend of Pivot today, Vera Tunde Thurston. He's on the line. He's a comedian, writer, TED speaker, and former producer of The Daily Show. He has written about his experience of being a black man in America, including a best-selling autobiographical satire, How to Be Black. We want to talk to him about text response to Trump's racist and violent remarks on Twitter at the end of the week. So uh, tell us what you think of them, Vera Tunde. Hello, Kara. Hey. Uh, hello, Big Dog Scott. Go on, Baratunde. <laughs> no, no, I know what I did there. I know what I did there. I know what I'm walking into. I'm sorry, Kara. <laughs> right. I didn't like this. That's okay. It had to be. All fair. right. Um, I don't have any nice thoughts about the president of the United States. Um, I, I think there are moments that call for leadership. There are bad leaders, and then there are people who are absent in the face of a nation that is in severe pain and can do nothing but cause more of it. Uh, and that is what we're faced with now. It, it is worse than a bad president. It's like the inverse of a president, the, mm -hmm. the opposite of what we need right now. Mm -hmm. So his uh, decision to inflame uh, already inflamed cities even further uh, certainly goes beyond the terms and conditions and policies we've all co-signed on to uh, by being a part of these billionaire platforms. Mm -hmm. um, and the Republican Party's uh, decision to co-sign on everything he's done so far means this is right. a much bigger problem. Okay, than, what do you think um, of what Twitter has done? Let's review last week. And what do you think the social media sites should do? And, and in general, the narratives that have to change on these sites. To my knowledge, what Twitter decided to do last week was to start flagging the flagrantly um, false and probably dangerous uh, tweets from the President of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, that's good. I was honestly shocked. I had... Like with Me my too. expectations of the United States as a black citizen, I had lowered my expectations to expect nothing and had adjusted to mm -hmm. that normal. So I was pleasantly surprised to see them enforcing their policies against just another user. Um, 
years late into the game, but later is better than never. Yeah. Uh, I was also totally not shocked by his temper tantrumic response. Temper tantric. I'm not sure the appropriate version of that. Uh, but but his response to mm-hmm. go even harder because it would be one of the few times in this person's life that he's actually faced accountability or public judgment for his actions. Um, so it's a beginning. It's not enough. I, I think, look, at this stage, we all have a choice to make, whether you're a citizen, a voter, a member of Congress, a corporate leader, uh, controlling a platform. The stability of our nation and, and the world, to some extent, is at stake. And so you have to choose, like, are you going to upset a, a thin-skinned man uh, or are you going to enable the destruction of even more of society? And so this isn't even, to mm-hmm. me, about policy consistency. Uh, it's about preventing death, preventing harm, uh, preventing further inflammation of actual violence uh, at this stage. And certainly, we all know people who've been kicked off the platform for far, far less. Yeah, we do. So if, if, if the U.S. Less, Senate won't less. do it, maybe Twitter will. That is, hold this president accountable to, for something. And, and Baratende, you've been really successful in digital and in comedy and in media and in sectors that aren't, for lack of a better term, very diverse. What, what message do you have for young people of color around? I mean, what are your, you know, if you can give a, if you can send message to young people of color around trying to, to be successful in, in markets and in sectors that traditionally have just lacked diversity, is it, you know, how do you inspire young people? What, do you, what, what is your message to young men? Thank you, Scott. Um, and I will, I will give two messages, two states of the union, um, to, to young people of color, especially young black people in the United States. I would say you're amazing. There is a lot of negativity uh, and a lot of language and messaging around our vulnerability our weakness, our susceptibility, our targeting by the the system and the state and the racism. And those are all true. But there is another truth, which is we're still here. Mm -hmm. We're here through all of that. Our ancestors ensured that we would be here, which means we are strong as hell. We are resilient. We are creative. You are resilient. You are creative. There is no easy promise from a slightly older person, I'm 42 years old, that things are going to get better. Maybe. And if they do, maybe they'll last, maybe they won't. But your existence is proof of your brilliance. And so hold on to that as the world tells you directly and indirectly that your life doesn't matter. The fact that you have it is a testament to your strength. So, so keep hold of that. And then and if I could add two white people... <laughs> To, to whether you're young or not, I, I don't want to just limit my audience to the youth. Um, but one, I, I want to thank a lot of white people for belatedly acknowledging the validity of our experiences. Later is better than never. And welcome. Welcome to America as we have been experiencing it for so, so long. And thank you. And I think there's a great opportunity here to deepen our relationship with each other um, and our empathy with each other and to recognize that it's not just up to people like me who make a partial living off of talking about race to solve this thing. Uh, Just like it's not up to women to solve sexism. It takes men to show up better and check other men 
it takes white people to show up better and check other white people. And it's not for me. And it's not for the unborn black baby boy or girl. It's for yourself. It's because we all got to figure out how to live together. Or this whole thing's a shambles. And we might as well stop pretending. And that's an option. I'm not there yet, but I have flirted with it a lot over the past week. So show up. Ask questions. Educate yourself. I've done my part to make it easy. You can find me on Instagram and all the other platforms where Baratune Days are known. And read the resources and fund the workshop leaders and and do it. This audience, above many others, is resourceful and curious and smart. So use that. Use that now and use that and use that power. Um, yeah. That's absolutely true, uh, Baratone. One of the things that happens is a lot of people feel nervous yeah. to say yeah. something wrong yeah. in a lot of ways, in a weird way. But this idea of anti-racism, a term that's new for many white Americans, is an idea mm-hmm. just saying you're not racist is not enough. In fact, it's passive. Can you talk about the idea of anti-racism versus just saying, hey, I'm so not a racist So here's the beautiful thing. There's, there's a book for everything. And they're in audio and they're on digital. And if you cool with shipping things to your house and leaving them on your porch for three days, they still make them physically. Uh, There was a great book literally called How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Buy the book. He lays it out in in great detail or listen to it while you're walking or jogging or cleaning the house or pretending to teach your kids something. We're all trying to survive here. Feed this in at the same time. We have to actively counter what has been created. Uh, Scott, you might appreciate this as a financial person. Um, I spent some years in the Microsoft Excel world of putting businesses in software and trying to Mm -hmm. forecast what would happen to them. And I I remember this concept of uh, cash flow projections. And especially Mm -hmm. for a business that makes an upfront investment, say, in equipment and marketing, and then has a recurring revenue stream, which is Mm -hmm. quite in vogue, you're digging yourself out of a hole. And you Mm -hmm. end up with this net positive perspective of, okay, cumulative cash flow positive. You've paid off the investment. Now you got free cash flow. You're good. You're actually making money. And it might take some companies years. Mm -hmm. With respect to justice in the United States, we are in a significant hole. One we started digging when we brought the first captive Africans here in 1619 and kept digging formally, legally, until at least 1965, maybe until very much today. So we don't just get to say, oh, we're making money. We're doing a, I did a good thing today. So none of that stuff happens. We're still in the hole. So we've got to dig ourselves out. And the value and the idea of anti-racism is to counteract, not just stop doing bad stuff, undo the harm, the multi-generational, financial, Mm -hmm. economic, psychological, physical harm that's been done to the communities for so many years. We've got to get out of the hole. So Um, to to take that analogy one step further. It's a lot. That you need this massive investment mm-hmm. uh, to create an asset that that yields dividends moving forward. And what would that massive investment look like, or to get out of this hole? Give give us a concrete example of a something we could collectively do for those of us who want to be anti-racist. Yeah. For those of us who would be willing to vote for elected officials that would allocate capital towards that big, bold, definitive investment, what what might that look like? How does that manifest itself in something actionable? Yeah, uh, I can think of a few things. Uh, in the very immediate moment, there are efforts to shift public funding uh, away from law enforcement resources and into community resources, positive investment rather than negative mm-hmm. investment. You can find those and support those. They're in every city in this country, every state in this country, and in places around the world who are facing some similar challenges. I think there is a 
relationship investment that people can make, which is to, for especially for white people, talk about race with other white people. Mm-hmm. I think it's really uncomfortable. I think, Carrie, you brought up a very fair and real point about people being nervous to say something wrong. And, and many of us who are trying to do this work haven't always been welcoming. <laughs> we're tired. We're burnt out. You say the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Get out the pool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But amongst yourselves where you can be safe and vulnerable, start asking questions about your own relationship with what it means to be white, with the unearned privilege. Not a negative thing, but it's, it's a true thing. And, and what else you could do with it mm-hmm. besides feel bad about it? Feeling bad about your superpower helps no one. Superman doesn't mope right. around about his super strength. He uses it to help yeah. people. So start having that conversation. Right. I, I think from an economic perspective, the climate challenge represents a really interesting, positive investment opportunity. We have some rebuilding to do, and we cannot rebuild the way we did before. Normal is below good enough. Yeah. And, and so we, we have a this. chance yeah. to actually pay workers, <laughs> to create jobs, to invest mm-hmm. in the things that we actually all want, but also to prioritize the folks who've been most harmed. You saw what happened with weed. When they legalized weed, the, the people making money, the people who've always made money in this capitalist system, well-funded, advantaged investors, mostly mm-hmm. white, mostly men, and very few people who got locked up for doing the same thing over the past 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We cannot repeat that. So if you're in a position to make investments, make them with the communities you claim to respect and love. If you're in a position to hire, go out of your comfort zone and your comfortable way of the networks you already know from this university and this professional society. Try harder. Stretch. Because that's how we dig out of the hole. When people who haven't put forth the effort start to do it. And then we get this magical thing that works in finance and works in physics that's called leverage. Mm-hmm. But we need more people bending their back into that stick to actually generate it. How do you think the media is covering Because yeah. a lot of it does have to do with these Im- It's the imagery, you know what I mean? Which What's really interesting about this imagery, and I noticed my son's watching it, is when they're talking about the looting, it's always sort of linked with racism in some way, this alluding. And my sons were counting, it was interesting, I don't know why they were doing this, the white people yeah. coming out of looting and who had that that's a white guy with a with a with a with a they all have they, skateboards. There are a lot of skateboards. I'm like, what the it's fuck true. are you doing with a skateboard? Have you noticed they're using skateboards to break the windows? And it's it, and it's it, there was one really amazing video of a, an African American woman pulling a white guy away from destroying yeah. a sidewalk. And he kept she kept saying we're going to be blamed for this, and it's you who's doing it. You're not doing it for us. And it was really interesting. And I was like sort of – it was it, in one case, the media is doing a good job because you're right. seeing it. You're seeing who's actually doing the looting. Um, at one point in Beverly Hills, it was a bunch of white ladies who were walking in and out of one of the stores, which was – The ultimate discount. Which was – and they weren't getting stopped, but they yeah. also weren't getting stopped, which was amazing. And you could see the police all mm-hmm. grabbing black people. It was really, it was interesting to watch. How do you how do you think the media is doing? Because they of course want to focus on the, oh, there's a there's a yeah. firework, there's a bang, there's tear gas. What do you what I should be done want differently? More from the media. There have been some good moments, there have been some horrible moments. On average, it's probably a C. Um, because it takes flames yeah. to draw their attention in the first place. Otherwise, yeah. we would have stopped talking about this. Uh, probably about a week ago uh, as we sit here. Mm. Looting is a charged word and it's never applied when it's done at scale. Uh, When it's done with human bodies Mm -hmm. from a continent to create a free labor force, it's not called looting. Uh, When it's done to indigenous people in the land that was here first, it's not called looting. When it's done in the form of a massive 
over a trillion dollar tax break to take from the poor and redistribute to the already rich. It's not called looting. It's called tax policy. And so we have different words for it in different areas of our society. Uh, But when it's a black kid with a flat screen TV, uh, it's called looting. And I think what we're seeing, what I want from the media, I'll put it this way. It's hard for especially television media to do this, but I need them to try harder to paint a broader picture of what we're seeing. What I've seen, and I've been following the live streams of people who I know are organizers, and I literally see how they set this up. I see how the Black Lives Matter Los Angeles organizers coach people with the masks, with the water, with the, like, we're going to march this way, do not engage, we're here to have our voices heard, and that's it, and it's peaceful. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of things happen that lead to violence. One thing that happens is police show up, and their presence, and the police are showing up as their own kind of gang. And I think we need to raise the mm-hmm. bar. You asked, we need to raise the bar on who can become a police officer, how they get trained, and finally actually hold them accountable. When you can get away with murder repeatedly and have nothing done about it, you don't mind committing murder. You're cl- you're cl- there's no signal in this system that says to any law enforcement officer, don't mm-hmm. do that, including your fellow officers who hide behind the badge so often in a very gang-like structure. So who's the gang? Right? Who's the organized crime? The... Officers show up and they are shoving people and they with their vehicles at time, and they're often making the situation worse. You have rogue agents of a more anarchistic nature who are just taking an opportunity. You have some right-wing people who always want to sow discord, and they're jumping in. You have some really aggrieved and angry black people who are showing up as angry and aggrieved and are have been told by the system that there's no right way to protest. If you're Colin Kaepernick and you take a knee... Well, that's, that's too disrespectful, even though he got the permission of a member of the armed services to do it in a most respectful way during the national anthem. It's not good enough for some of the pundits in the media of the world. And then if you burn something on fire, well, that's not good enough. And then if you block traffic, well, you're inconveniencing. So what's the right way to demand your rights? There is none. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want the media no. not to solve it. It's not their job, but your job is to tell the story. So tell a more complete story and don't so lazily fall into the old tropes of, oh, it's just a bunch of thugs, a.k.a. black thugs, wasting the memory of George Floyd, a memory you had no interest in honoring until those thugs started burning stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me uh, finish up, and Scott may have a final question. In terms of what we were talking just before you came on and what social media needs to do to stop it, because they are sort of the the megaphone for someone like Donald Trump, who is so clearly racist and using the platform uh, incorrectly. What would you do if you were Mark Zuckerberg and you had unlimited power? (laughs) Uh, I would would just walk away like in a Michael Bay, Jerry Bruckheimer. Quietly. You know, just fire behind me, slow motion. (laughs) The rap. I gave y'all 12 years of this. I'm done with shutting it down. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so nice and sweet. But what would you do? Like, here you are with unlimited power over this, pretending you don't have unlimited power, but say you actually recognize the fact that you have no, nobody holds you accountable for anything. What would you do? What would be your first move? (sighs) That is a big and... Besides getting a fresh kombucha yeah, shake, yeah, what would be Yeah, it's a real question. Move? It's a big question. It's a hard question, Kara. So I don't pretend to have an easy answer. Um, I think that what would go a long way for me as a reluctant member of the Facebook universe um, 
is an acknowledgement by Mr. Zuckerberg of the unforeseen but now very much seen negative consequences of what he's helped unleash on the world. There's been so much denial at every turn. Every turn, this guy resists. Every, yep. Back, I remember when Dana Boyd gave a fiery address at South by Southwest Interactive yeah. so long ago. It was three Americas and 20 internets ago. And, and Zuckerberg at that point was, was very addicted to the idea of everything's public, everything's real name. And Dana said something like, it's very easy for you to say if you're a cisgendered white male from the upper middle class background. But you can't be that person if you're in the South, if your father's a preacher, if you're in the closet, trans teen or gay teen, th- that standard doesn't hold. And, and so I, I need him to stop resisting everyone who's been right every time about everything that they've been wrong about every time. And just acknowledge, mm-hmm. I've gotten this wrong and I've been playing defense and I'm sorry for that. A lot of y'all were right and I'm sorry for that. That, that that's, that's the acknowledgement phase. I also need the mechanisms, the financial mechanisms that run that service to shift. Uh, a lot of what is wrong is what's encouraged and what's encouraged is what we pay mm-hmm. for and what we pay for is treating people as means and trading on our identities and selling us back to ourselves or the highest bidder. I'm descended from a people who were literally sold. I'm not excited about the idea of me and my data being auctioned off. And yet we have an entire industry built on selling people by the slice and the dice in a way that's disgusting. And and we need- Well put. If not these leaders, then new ones to step in and build a different way of doing this. I don't know if Facebook's going to be able to make that turn to let me own myself again. It's not in their nature. It's not in their economic interest. They're a publicly traded company. Like They've got every reason not to. So what's why would they do it? To be a leader? To, to stay relevant? I think number one is the, I think yeah, it's not and, in so their maybe, nature. But you know, it'd That's be, really it'd be nice to hear the acknowledgement. It'd be nice to have them try It'd be nicer to see actual innovation again by someone who isn't swallowed yeah. up by their hyper acquisition spree or or copy everything spree to actually have a market. You know, for all the sins of capitalism, we don't even have that version of it here. We have a crony system, um, and they've been you know deep practitioners of of the crony arts in stamping out competition rather than facing it head on and on a level playing field. I clearly have a lot of thoughts on this, um, but I don't have a simple answer. Those are some initial directions. Um, well, along those lines, where can people Scott? find more information uh, on you and your work? Yeah, uh, I do a show uh, for this moment. It's been called Live on Lockdown. I just did mm-hmm. my 20th episode this week, baratunde.com slash live. And then my social home, like I said, I'm a reluctant member of the Facebook universe because mm-hmm. I also find value there. Like I don't want to, like America, I don't want to mm-hmm. burn it all down. Like I got to live mm-hmm. here. So Instagram is my chosen uh, dialect of Facebook. And you can find me at, you know, as Baratunde on Instagram. And I have a bunch of resources and I point to other people. I mean, Weapons of Math Destruction was a great book. The Algorithmic Justice League is a, a wonderful organization mm-hmm. of other people who are showing us a different way to use these tools and don't just want to stop progress or, or shut everything down but build something better. And now is the time to step up, show up, or shut up. Agreed. All right. Perfect. Thank Thanks, you, Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having You're me. You're a great man.
And I'm going to make you CEO of Facebook someday. That's my goal. That's that's what I get. That's what I get. Listen, y'all, y'all do a wonderful show. I listen to, um, you know, two of the 13 episodes a week that you make. Um, (laughs) Keep it up. I think (laughs) you're doing uh, some real good. The resist is futile. Thank you. (laughs) All right, take care. Futile. Thanks, everybody. All right, Scott, that was fantastic. I think I found a new co-host. Anyway, we'll be back after one more quick break. We'll be back with wins and fails. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, we're back. Scott wins and fails. I'm going to give it all to you. You already slapped uh, Roger Goodell around. He deserves it. What, do you, what, do you, what else do you have as a winner or fail? Uh, so, like, I, you know, I'm, uh, curse with riches or whatever the term is around a, lo- uh, a loser. So I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go with wins. I, I do think this is a unique opportunity for Twitter. And I, I would absolutely lean in to their terms of service. I think they should begin qualifying, labeling, and kicking off uh, people from both the left and the right on the platform. I think it's just time for them to raise their standards start applying terms of service and take some risks. And I think they're in a position to take some risks because quite frankly, the company just hasn't lived up to its expectations. And I think it's time for Twitter and Jack Dorsey to command the space they occupy. I think it would be good for shareholders. I think they should move to identification, demand that people are who they say they are. Uh, I think they should move to a subscription model. And I think they should begin uh, kicking uh, people off the platform if they're um, motivating, motivating violence, um, committing hate crimes, trying to intimidate people based on their their gender, their sexual orientation. I, I think this is not only the right thing to do, but I think it's an incredible opportunity for them. And I think it started, I'm hoping it started last week. I hope the board supports Jack and encourages him to be bold here. And I think that Twitter could become, if you will, I'll call it a beacon, but I think I think if Jack Dorsey, who's worth four billion dollars, wants statues and wants his grandkids to go, wow, Dad was a or Pop Pop was a gangster. I think there's a unique moment in time here 
to do what's right for shareholders, but more importantly, to do the right thing, and that is begin the healing around the rage machine and turn it from the rage machine to a media company that's subscription-based. Because Netflix isn't tearing us apart. It's these ad-driven social media companies that are tearing us apart. So my win is what I hope is the first step in a real movement by Jack Dorsey and Twitter. Yeah. I think the loser of the week, I think the failed week is Mark Zuckerberg and his arbiter of truths. You know, Mark has been the Susan Collins of the internet, which is what I called him. And if he's going to, it's not going to be uh, Elizabeth Warren, which he's so not. So explain he's what you mean by Susan Collins. Or, oh, uh, I'm disturbed. I'm concerned, but doing right, nothing like right. that. It's just so much bullshit. Just shut up if you're going to do that stuff. And if not, if you oh, can't Senator be Elizabeth Maine Warren. Collins. Yes. Oh, I, Collins, thought, I thought you were like Collins. the romance novelist. I, I'm no, sorry. that's Jackie Collins. Oh, okay. Sorry. Senator you're Collins. Dating yeah. Yourself. Senator the one who pretends to give a shit and always votes yes. with Trump. Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, who's going to yeah. be voted out, by the way, by Sarah Gideon. Please send her money. Um, I don't even know about main politics, but I know about that one. Um, if he's not going to be, if he's just, be Mitt Romney, if you can't be Elizabeth Warren, be someone else besides Susan Collins. Like at least mm-hmm. have have a have some guts and you know stop sucking up to 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 the Trump administration and mm, move Joel Kaplan. Somewhere he's got the else. knee pads out move for the Almighty Dollar. Joel, it doesn't matter no, who the John move is. Move Joel Kaplan to another place and bring in anybody else that'll give you a wider range of, uh, you know, move T- Peter Thiel down a notch down at the board meeting. Mm, I don't know. You need a Department of Justice or an aggressive attorney general to start start talking about oh, civil and criminal charges. Happen. He's not, not don't don't expect, don't expect Mark Zuckerberg's better angels <laughs> to show up. I, I am, you know what? Bill Gates got better. Well, Bill Gates <laughs> never did a fraction of damage to Mark Zuckerberg. Well, at the was, time, it's Bill Gates was bad. Darwinian. He wasn't sociopathic. All right, then. Okay. On that note, uh, and a win, I don't know. We got to end on wins, Scott. Let's have some wins, and then we will go. Let's I thought, have one. Uh, did you see the Medium post uh, from the Obamas? Um, no, not yet. That was I very, very strong. And I, I I would encourage, and I think, I think it's starting to happen, mm-hmm. that both the President and First Lady uh, Obama are starting to get more actively engaged. I think there's such yeah. powerful, graceful voices. Yeah. And I also think they're pragmatic. I think they're taken seriously by moderates. And I think they have an ability to say, activism isn't calling out people. What Baratunde said that, you know, th- there is a real risk. It, it, in order to have a dialogue, it, intention leads to dialogue, leads to action. But you can't have a dialogue if people are constantly worried about being called out in a cancel culture. And I think the Obamas have a role to play around catalyzing a dialogue, being very, uh, getting people registered to vote, and also creating what I'll call safe spaces for us to have a productive dialogue. But anyways, my win is their Medium post. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, there. That's a good win. That's a really good win. Um, I'm, I I don't have a win this week because it's been a hard week. I have to say, I'm trying to think of something that has been nice. Um, it was nice to have DC open up for a second. Um, I think people were a little bit happy to go out and have a restaurant. And now, of course, everything is boarded up. Um, have you gone to a? Re- I haven't gone to a restaurant. Have you no, gone to a restaurant? no, I'm not going to. I'm not going. I, yeah. I believe. I believe in COVID nineteen. I don't yeah. think it's over by any Something stretch. Tells me it's for I'm real. a believer. <laughs> it's for real. Um, but I feel badly uh, for these these retailers. I I I'm trying really hard to you know, to spend money there and things like that. But it was just heartbreaking. I was riding. I'm testing electric bikes. So I was riding my bike. To the oh wait, dentist. I have another loss. What? I, have a loser. Okay, go ahead. I, I think go ahead. these declarative bold. Statements from university heads uh, pretending to be, well, it's not pretending, saying that we're welcoming back our students in the fall. And they tend to be from universities that have high tuition and high experience uh, value propositions. And it strikes me, it reminds me of a CEO talking up their stock in the midst of a disastrous earnings call saying, basically, send in your 500 million in tuition deposits. 
And the reality is, and I know this firsthand, we have no idea what we're going to be doing in the fall. We have no idea. And any statement, any statement around we have a moral obligation or a national responsibility to open our campuses in the fall is nothing. Anyone, anyone who says we're in this together or we have an obligation to open is either a CEO looking for a bailout or a university president telling parents to send in their deposits. I think it's disingenuous and borderline reckless. All right. Well, that's not a win. All right. All right. Here's one win. Um, young people. I, I, the, the ones that were protesting. Uh, a win? Young people? You mean the ones that don't no, vote? No, going. The ones that, young no, people. they do vote. You're wrong. Let me just <laughs> Trying say. Trying to bring both the average age of our listener down. Pandora's <laughs> My sons <laughs> both went to the protest with my permission. They asked my permission because they were worried about COVID-19. They went. They were safe. They were safe as could be. Did they de-leaf any trees? <laughs> no, stop it. Listen to me. <laughs> Oh, they're big God. boys. Let me just say they're trying to learn. My son is so interested in voting and he's getting his friends interested. My youngest son is becoming more politically active. Mm-hmm. I think you're wrong. I think I think young people do get politically active. And I I I I think they do it on their own and they see the challenges being faced. Um and they they have I'm hoping for this next generation. Hey, I have a show on vice. I get the young people. No, I get the young no, people. I, believe, I my my win is young people. I still think I, that is win, one of my greatest people. hope. Oh, you're is. going out on a limb there. My greatest hope is That's my greatest bold. hope. Is, yeah. No, I'm going on the young Where's people. Where's Baratunde? Uh, let me just say, I'm going for my. I'm naming my, my next son Baratunde. All the sons. I like that name. Baratunde. You know, you cannot Meet do my that. son. Okay, Baratunde. we're going to go now. Okay, listen, Scott. Kara. Yeah. Kara. Keep it real. You're keeping it it real real. here. Don't forget, if you have a story uh, in the news you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Also, send us suggestions of who we should have on. Um, We would really like to hear your suggestions because we're just essentially uh, two overprivileged white people who need a lot of help um, becoming better people. So it would be really great. We'd love all your opinions. And there she goes to the woke spa. Listen, not She's getting her nails done at the woke spa. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm just saying we don't think hard enough. We're awful. You you know what? We're not awful, but we could be better. You know what? I'm not even going to begin with you. I'm going to go loot a van store up. Patagonia no, stop store. it. Now, you know what? You know Are you what? triggered? That's enough. Are you triggered? I'm, no, I'm, I'm irritated by you. Anyway, read us out, Scott. Uh, today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. And thanks to Fernanda Finaite for engineering this episode. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. Special thanks to Drew Burrows and uh, Rebecca Castro. If you like what you heard, please download. Please stay safe. Uh, there is nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with America. If you don't like your prosecutor canvas for the opposition. If you believe that our elected officials are doing nothing but borrowing from future generations to flatten the curve for rich people, if you believe we have a dangerous imbecile in the White House who is fundamentally a bigot, then hey, let's vote. There is nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with America. Kara, have a great rest of the week and stay safe. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. 
Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 